Hello everyone and welcome to Not So Secular, the place where we talk about how the world we live in is not as secular as we often think. We just choose to see it that way. My name is Mon Reyes, I'm a youth missionary here in the Philippines and I will be your host here today. On this episode, we're gonna talk about love. Usapang pag-ibig tayo dito. And as the old slam book would say, what is love? This is a commonly misunderstood word that has brought us much joy as well as much grief. So let's talk about it. What is love? And how do we love? All that and more coming right up. It's so good to be back here. If you were able to listen to the previous episode, you'll know that I took a week off, that I took a break from recording the podcast, and and every now and then I'll be doing that. I think it's healthy every so-and-so to stop for a while and uh, either rest or focus on other stuff that maybe are more pressing during the moment. As you may know, I am also involved in a lot of other different things, such as ministry and my work and, well, all my other responsibilities, and I want to make this podcast, turn this podcast into something more sustainable. I want to be able to do this for a long time. And I am looking for ways for me to go about that. I'm looking for ways for me to be able to keep on doing this as as long as it's blessing people, as long as it's helping someone. I want to be able to continue doing this. For today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about love, like we mentioned in the intro. Love is everywhere. We write songs about it. We write songs about the wonder of being in love. We write songs about heartbreak. We write songs about losing a loved one. We write songs about finding someone and experiencing that 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 joy of of first love that joy of the first encounter and uh, these are the things that we sing about love is the answer love will lead you back love never felt so good and we love these things we love singing about love what else do we do we we tell stories about love when you're talking to a couple one of the questions that are often asked is what is your story? What's your love story? How did the two of you meet? How did the two of you grow in love with each other? What brought you to where you are right now? Anong love story niyo? These are the things that we ask. What else do we do? We make movies about it. There are romantic movies, rom-coms, which are growing less and less popular nowadays, but it's still there. It's still there. And even when love is not the main genre of the film, we still tend to put an element of it there. There's still a love story arc in the middle of the action movie. There's still a love story arc in the middle of the superhero movie, even the horror movies sometimes. And if not love in itself, we people focus on stuff that are adjacent to love, that are very, very close to the idea of love. Stuff like family, which the Fast and the Furious franchise have overused (laughs) to their detriment stuff like sex which is a physical embodied expression of love and it's very beautiful it's very beautiful within the right context and as christians we believe that that context is marriage stuff like justice where we talk about loving the poor loving the oppressed and how do we do that by seeking the right seeking what is just 
by fighting for those who cannot fight for themselves. These are different ways. These are different areas where we either express or experience love. And we see it all around us. We see it all over social media. We see it in the way that we articulate our thoughts. We see it in the way that we make decisions. If you are a good person, you would consider others when you make your choices. We don't always verbalize it. We don't always say it in that way. But when we make decisions, it affects others. And these are things that we take into consideration because it might affect the people that we love. I guess you could say that we are obsessed with the idea of love. Or to put it in a more positive note, we are compelled by the idea of love. But I want to ask you this. How come that even though we love love, even though there is a general acceptance that love is a good thing, that love is something worth pursuing, that love is important, how come so many people are still broken and hurting. And I'm not just referring to the result of the tragedy of life, which is very real. It can get very painful, but I'm also referring to the result of the tragedy of failed relationships. If love is good and we know that we have to love, then how come we still hurt people? And I have a proposed answer to that. Here's what I think. I think that our problem with love is not a matter of intention. It's a matter of definition. We've already got the intention down. We've already got the motives right. We want to love. We want to help others. We want to care for others. In the same way, we want to be cared for. We want to be helped. We want to give and to receive love. I think that's generally accepted by most people. Some people might disagree, but it's generally accepted by most people. But the problem is not so much a matter of intention. We've already got that down. The problem is a matter of definition. That even when we want to love, we don't do it right. Because we are confused about what love is. And when we are confused about what love is, how can we then love? There is a difference between how the world defines love and how Christianity defines love. It's, we often use the same word, but it doesn't seem like we're referring to the same thing when we do. At least not always. There are times when we do agree but not always. Not always. This is one of the themes of our discussions here at Not So Secular, that there are certain Christian values that are still recognized today as important. But since the world is distancing itself more and more from Christianity, some of these values have been cut off from its roots. And it becomes an illusion of its past self. It becomes unstable. It becomes vague, ill-defined, unable to stand on its own because... It doesn't have its roots. It doesn't have its foundations. And yet we long for it. And yet that's something that we look for, something that we regard as important because it is true and it is good. This applies to love. We are constantly being fed a, a counterfeit version of love, a fake version of love, a lesser version of love, 
But because we are human beings made by God, made in the image of God, we hunger for the real thing. We want to be loved in the real sense of it. Because we were made for love. And so let's try to understand this further. What is love and how do we love? I think it would be helpful for us to start by paying attention to how we use the word love. Let me give you an example. I love my wife. I care about my wife so much. She is the person who knows me best and we've gone through so much together. And and I want to continue loving her. I love my wife. I also love burgers. I love burgers so much. <laughs> it's my favorite food. And I'm not referring to fast food burgers. I'm not referring to McDonald's burgers or Jollibee burgers. Although I would sometimes eat McDonald's burgers, just the cheeseburger. But what I'm referring to is like real burgers, the kinds of burgers that are actually prepared. Yung tipo nagsasebo kapag naiiwan. Yung ganon. I'm looking for legit burgers and I enjoy a good burger. I love burgers. I also love walking. I love going out for a stroll, listening to a podcast while I'm doing it, or maybe listening to music, going out for a while, walking for, you know, about 30 minutes in the morning. This is something that I used to do. I want to continue doing it again. But I love walking. I'm the kind of person who, when I'm, when I used to commute, when I would go from one place to another, I would, I wouldn't ride the tricycle or ride a, taxi or a grab for that matter um to go specifically to where i'm where i want to go but i would i would drop off from the nearest lrt or bus station and i would walk from there that's something that i used to do a lot i love listening to podcasts i mentioned that part of the reason why i'm doing a podcast myself (laughs) i love my parents I, i love my mom and dad I love my friends. I am grateful to have good friends. I am grateful to have friends that I can rely on, that I can be myself with. I love them. Notice how each of these things that I mentioned, I don't regard them in the exact same way, but I use the same word for it. We do that, right? We use the same word. We use love. No wonder we get this messed up. Now think about it. If the way I look at my wife, if the way I regard my wife is the same way I regard burgers, then I am in trouble. (laughs) Katya would feel bad, and rightfully so. And I think that's part of the reason why when we are told that God loves you or I love you, we don't always appreciate it because we don't always understand it. We don't always understand it because we've used this word so malleably, so so flexibly, which is not always a bad thing, but that's what happens, right? That's what happens. If you overuse something, if you overuse a word, it tends to lose its meaning in the process or it tends to have less of a punch. And, and I think it's important that before we talk about the how, we need to talk about the what. What is love? Let's define it for a while. Let's define it first. Now. When you hear the word love, what is the first thing that comes into your mind? What is the first thought? What is the first image? What is the first word? Oftentimes, the way we would answer this question is we would say something that is related to a feeling, something that is related to emotions. Because love, 
as many would describe it, is a very strong emotion. It is something that moves you forward, right? These are often intense emotions of uh, attraction, of passion. But then that's the thing. Is love only an emotion? And I think you already know the answer to that. Emotions are part of love, but there is more to it than just that. To bring this discussion further, I'd like to refer to Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Pope John Paul II is a very brilliant man. I look up to him. To him. I am impressed. I am amazed at his insights, at his leadership, at his character, at who he is. And I really do believe that the church is blessed to have not just a pope like him, but a saint like him. And for today, I'd like to focus on one of the things that he taught. And speaking about the idea of love in the theology of the body, he taught about eros and agape. These are two expressions of love. Let's start with eros. Eros is where we get the word erotic. That may have some negative connotations for people in our day, but let's let's understand what's the root of it. Eros is the kind of love that is associated with passion. It's the kind of love that is associated with desire. It's something that draws you toward the other, that attracts you. It's, it's a, it, it creates a longing within you. That's that kind of love, the love that compels you, the love that brings you forward, the love that enables you to do things that you wouldn't normally do, that just kind of drives you a bit crazy. That's eros, right? It's passionate it's it's out there and it's often expressed in a in a romantic and sexual context the more formal definition of it is that it is the upward impulse of the human spirit toward the true good and beautiful that's eros it's the kind of love that draws you in the other expression of love is agape Agape is often associated with a sense of commitment. Uh, this is this is self-sacrificial kind of love. We often refer to this as unconditional love. This is the kind of love that holds on and is ready to do the difficult stuff, is ready to get into the dirt of it, get into the meat of it for the sake of someone else. It's more action-oriented. It's um, often expressed in a familial context, although there is a separate word for familial love. But you see it, and for example, for example, a parent who may not always enjoy taking care of a child because it's not easy to take care of a child, right? You have, the child is a crying, pooping machine. <laughs> and you have to really be aware and really always be present when you're taking care of an infant. And, um, but that's the thing. As the parent, it calls you to continue on doing the hard stuff, on doing the difficult stuff because you care about the child. And it's something, there's something fulfilling there also. This is eros and agape, these two expressions of love. One is more passionate, the other is more committed. And to put it in simpler terms so that we grasp it better, I'd like to phrase it as affection, eros, and decision, agape. This is the kind of love, this twofold love that we see in Scripture. When God loves His people, there is both eros 
and agape. Eros, as in God is passionate. God is someone who is passionate and compassionate. He really cares about his people. He really cares about us. And he shows this loyal love in all sorts of ways. He is the God who is moved. That's what we talked about last episode, right? (laughs) You could go ahead and listen to that if you haven't yet. But God's love is also agape. God's love is also unconditional. He is the kind of being who loves us, not just because we're lovable, because we're not always lovable. He loves us because he is loving. He chooses to love us, even when oftentimes it's we say no to him. We are invited toward the same kind of love, affection and decision, eros and agape. But toward what exactly? And I want to read to you from the Catechism. This is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1765. It says, There are many passions. The most fundamental passion is love, aroused by the attraction of the good. Love causes a desire for the absent good and the hope of obtaining it. This movement finds completion in the pleasure and joy of the good possessed. The apprehension of evil causes hatred, aversion, and fear of the impending evil. This movement ends in sadness at some present evil or in anger that resists it. We are drawn to what is good, and we have a desire to participate in obtaining the good. That is what the love that we have or the love that we can give should be ordered toward. It should be ordered toward the good. And we are made for this. We are hardwired for this. God designed us in this way. So those are the two sides, arrows and agape, affection and decision. Here's the problem though. The problem is that we have a tendency to separate the two. We have a tendency to focus on one and dismiss the other. We tend to think of it as just eros, just affection, just attraction, just passions, and no commitment, and no sacrifice. Or sometimes it's just sacrifice, it's just commitment, it's just obligation, and there's no spark. There's no eros. We, we think only eros or only agape. We think in these terms. Again, we don't always verbalize it or, or articulate it in this way, but it's something that we fall into. It's just affection or it's just decision. And we often hear this said in this way, that my mind tells me one thing, but my heart tells me another. This is something that we hear in, in, in songs and movies and in other expressions in pop culture. It's so common and and i have talked to people that who are struggling with this we're struggling with what they feel they should do versus what they think they should do and so we tend to pin these two against each other interestingly though in scripture when the bible talks about the heart it's not referring to just feelings in scripture the metaphor of the heart is not just about emotions, it's also about decisions. For them, what we have separated with the mind and the heart, for them it's one, it's just heart. It's just heart. And I think there is some benefit into seeing, or having that kind of lens that our emotions and our decisions, they're aligned. Father Raniero Cantalamesa, um, 
he says something about how oftentimes in the secular world you find eros without agape. And within the Christian world, some misguided Christians tend to have agape without eros. And so it leads to distorted results. It leads to stuff like porn. Pure eros, no agape. Pure consumption, pure taking in, pure desire with no commitment, no strings attached. There's just nothing. It's pixels on a screen. And then there's the other side where you just do what you have to do and provide and just give stuff to the people that you care about without really without really taking the time to get to know them for who they are. Thinking that giving them what we think they need is what would benefit them instead of getting to know them and actually finding out what it is that they need and are looking for. We find desire without proper action and action without proper desire when we separate eros and agape. But for today, I'd like to focus more on agape because I think it's apparent, I think it's observable that the world is more obsessed with eros than it is with agape. I don't want to generalize. I don't want to... I'm not saying that everyone is like this, but the prevailing culture that we have is really more inclined toward eros, more inclined toward the affections, more inclined toward what feels good, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But again, if you push that to its extreme, if you just do eros and no agape, it can become distorted. This is why I don't like the term falling in love. I have a tweet that went viral, I think a few years ago, when I was talking exactly about this, about falling in love, that I don't, I don't like the term falling in love because the reason, I think that the reason why people fall out of love is because they just fell in it in the first place. The problem with falling in is that you don't choose to fall, you just fall. No one no one decides to trip over something. No one decides to just fall over, you know, as if you were walking and then you planned na matapilok. You planned for you to trip over some rock or some some step on the stairs. You don't do that. We don't fall on purpose. We just fall. What I prefer instead of falling in love is growing in love. Because growth is not like that. Growth is intentional. Growth is something that you have to want and desire and choose. Growth is different. Growing in love, I think, better captures better captures what love is all about. And we see this. You know, we see this. If you have a garden, you don't have to think about grass and weeds growing. They just grow. And you don't want them to grow. You don't have to intend for them to grow. But the thing about houseplants and the thing about well, garden plants, if you really want to have a beautiful garden, if you want to have, if you want to take care of your houseplants, it has to be intentional. There are proper ways of taking care of these plants. And if you don't follow that, or if you, if you neglect them long enough, they're not going to thrive. They're going to die. Intentionality is part of love. You have to choose to love. I like how Thomas Aquinas puts it. He says, to love is to will the good of the other. 
in simpler terms, it means to want and choose what's best for someone. What will be good for them. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes, what's good for someone is not what's good for me. Sometimes, something that would benefit them is something that would cost me. And this is where we get into the area of sacrifice. This is why agape love is self-sacrificial because when you give, you lose something. I, I believe that I believe that the main expression of love, the primary expression of love is giving. You know, the five love languages, um, giving of gifts, spending quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, and acts of service. These five love languages are all giving. These are all giving. It's just different forms of giving. You give your time, you give your words, you give your presence. You, you just give different stuff, but these are all giving. The primary language of love, the main way we express love is through giving. When we love, we give. And the thing about giving is that when you give something, you lose something. If I give you 20 pesos, how much do I lose? I lose 20 pesos. If I give you 1,000 pesos, how much do I lose? I lose 1,000 pesos. When you give something, you lose something. And so giving, brought to its fullest extent, brought to its, its extreme state, what does that look like? It looks like sacrifice. And that's why I believe that sacrifice, sacrificing for someone is really a, a great expression of love, a full expression of love when you make sacrifices for the people that you care about. As a youth missionary, I get to talk to a lot of high school and college students. And one of the things that I often hear are stories of, well, pursuing someone, of courtship and dating. They are in that age after all. And I remember there was this one guy that I was talking to about pursuing someone. And there was a problem though. The problem was that the girl, the girl's parents did not want the girl to get into a relationship yet. They were in high school, I think, if I remember correctly. They were still in high school and the parents didn't want the girl to get involved with someone yet. Not that they were against the guy, not necessarily. It's just that they thought that it was too soon. They were both minors. But the thing about falling in love, and when I use falling in love, I really mean falling in love in this context. The thing about falling in love in that age, in the age of being in grade school or high school, is that you know, oftentimes it's really about feelings. Oftentimes you don't really think these things through. But you can't just say that to young people. You can't just, because they can't see it yet. Um, you know, statistically speaking, the people who get together during grade school and high school, they don't end up together. And uh, so you have to be creative in how you say that. Because that is where they are at the moment. I'm not saying that it's impossible because I know some people who were together since high school and they ended up getting married. They ended up being together. I'm just saying that most of the time they don't. <laughs> and so the parents had good reason to not allow the girl to have a boyfriend yet. And I was talking to the guy. I'm not talking to the girl. I'm just talking to the guy. I'm talking to the guy and he's telling me all of these things about his, how he's frustrated, doesn't know what to do. And uh, he was asking me what I thought about it, what my perspective was about the matter. And um, I was trying to get him to 
see or to have an idea of the perspective of the parents. I'm not, I wasn't trying to tell him what to do. I wasn't trying to tell him what decisions he should make. What I was trying to do was to try to get him a glimpse, try to give him a glimpse of, of the bigger thing that is happening here, that it's not just about the two of you. You have to think about the families that you are involved in as well. But that wasn't so successful. And so we ended up reaching this part of the conversation when I had to ask him, Mahal mo ba talaga? Do you really love this person? He said, yes. And I said, then prove it. Do what's best for her, even if it doesn't benefit you. That's the thing about sacrificial love. To choose what is good for someone, even if it costs you. Not just what feels good, but is actually what is good for that person. You have to consider these things. That is a huge part of what love is, of what love should be. I think part of the problem is that we've confused being in like with being in love. When we like someone, it doesn't necessarily follow that we love this person. And the thing about being in like, having a crush, being attracted, it's fun. These things are fun. But the thing about being in love is that it, it's a commitment. It's gonna take more from you to love someone. And I think we need to understand that better. We need to want what's best for them. And I'd like to clarify this. I'm not just referring to romantic relationships here. I'm referring to friendships as well, families as well. How do you love them? You love them by willing their good, by wanting what will benefit them, by caring for them. Now, here's where we get into some further issues, some further problems. Okay, all of these things are good, right? It's not just about being in like, it's about being in love. It has to be intentional. We have to want it. We have to choose it. It's not just about the feelings and the attractions. Okay, all those things are good. Now, let's bring this one step further. Is that okay? Are you ready? Let's bring this one step further. Wanting what's best for someone, willing the good of the other. There is still a problem that comes when you reach that stage. That even when you want what's good for them, the problem is that people don't always know what's good for them. I don't always know what's good for me. She doesn't always know what's good for her. He doesn't always know what's good for him. You don't always know what's good for you. And you don't always know what's good for her. You don't always know what's good for him. I don't always know what's good for you. And that's the thing. We have a discrepancy with our definition of love, okay? But when we get to this point, we also tend to have a discrepancy on what our definition of the good is. And this is a huge idea. This is a huge concept. And we could go further and continue exploring this one episode at a time here at Not So Secular. But at least it's good to start here. It's good to start by knowing that good intentions don't always lead to good results. There is the saying, right? 
the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's crazy. I know, it's crazy. It's so confusing. <laughs> but if anything, if anything, I'd like to at least present this, that we get confused with the idea of love, we get confused with the idea of what is good, but what helps, what really helps, is that we align with the one who is the source of all love. Where better can we learn the definition of love, the definition of what is good, than the one who made love, than the one who is goodness in himself? I think this is, this is a journey. This is something that we have to discover day after day as we seek to know God, as we seek to know Christ, as we read His Word and, and seek to follow His will. And there are many different ways of, of doing that. There are many different ways of knowing more about God. And that's the beauty of it. The more you know about God, the more you know love. The more you know what is good. The more you can love and the more you can seek what is good for others and for yourself. Affection and decision. Eros and agape. It is both something that you experience and something that you express. Yes, love is sacrificial. And in the process of love being sacrificial, it brings out the best in you. It calls you to do stuff that you wouldn't normally do. To get into situations that you wouldn't normally get involved in. You choose to, even though you don't have to, because you care. Because you care. And so I think it would be helpful for us to have at least a level of humility to try to understand further what it means to love someone, to be open to being wrong about our definition of what will be good for them, to be open to being wrong about, about whether we're loving them really or we just think we're loving them because we have all of these, we have all of these butterflies in our stomach. We have to allow God to reshape our idea of love. Because in this fallen world that we live in, oftentimes we have a true hunger for love, but what we see, the way it's expressed is often distorted. It's often a shadow of what it used to be, of what it's supposed to be. We see bad examples. We see bad models. We have these different things that we fight for because we think it's good, but just because we're passionate about it doesn't make it good. Just because people are, are accepting it, widely accepting it, just because something is common doesn't mean that it is normal, doesn't mean that it is good. We have to be open. And the church has a lot to say about that. The church is one of the ways in which God speaks to his people. And so we need to also be open to how the church is speaking out about these things. How the church defines love as well. And yes, the people of the church, Christians, can be bad examples as well. Can be bad models of this kind of love as well. 
and you might might be listening to this and you're daunted about the idea of love. Oh, it's like this. Oh, it's like that. We're so confused about this. Where do we stand our ground? It, it can get crazy. Yes, I agree, but you have a real capacity for it. You can do it. You were made to love. And so it's important for us that we, step by step, as we go forward, day after day, choose to grow in love. The authentic love that God wants to offer us. The true love that He wants to give us. I'd like to read to you from 1 John chapter 4, 7-12. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. Whoever is without love does not know God, for God is love. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might have life through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. Yet, if we love one another, God remains in us and His love is brought to perfection in us. If there is anyone, anyone that we can look to as the perfect embodiment of love, it has to be Christ. Christ Himself. So read about him. Find out more about him. Continue learning. Continue seeking. See the kind of love that he offers to his people. This discussion for today is definitely, it's definitely not exhaustive. There is a lot more to be said. And I would encourage you to pursue. I would encourage you to study more, to seek more. I would encourage you to read Love and Responsibility. That's a book that Pope John Paul II wrote before he became Pope. Very insightful, very beautiful as well. And I acknowledge that there is some value to talking about these things in this way. But the thing about love is that it's something that is better modeled and experienced rather than just taught and discussed. And so I would encourage you to get yourself connected Get yourself connected with a community. Get yourself connected with a group of friends. Get yourself connected with your family. And get yourself connected with God. Seek Him. Seek Him through prayer. Seek Him through scripture. Invite Him to reveal to you the kind of love that He has always been giving to you, but maybe you just haven't noticed or seen yet. I am excited for what's ahead of you. Let's continue journeying together. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> and uh, that's it. That's it for today. That's our discussion. This is something that we'll continue exploring as we go forward in all of these different aspects. And I am happy that you get to finish this, that you get to join in until this last part. I hope that this could be a start for those of you who need it and a renewal for those of you who need that. And so that's it for today. I'll see you next week. Bye.